lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. Wow. Where to begin today? Greetings. Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Totters and Aaron McIntyre and all of you at 888-900-3393. That's 888-900-3393. How, how incredible is the news cycle today? Folks, we, we don't have time really to preview the presidential debate tonight. And given where the race is at right now, where I, the, the momentum has clearly swung in the president's favor, and he's got a chance to maybe cement that momentum tonight or lose it again. So this, this could be one of the most impactful presidential debates we've ever had. And, and we don't have time to analyze it or preview it on today's show. I mean, that's, that's how insane what's going on today is and uh, we're going to get into that instead today in the overtime good news is if you're not yet a blaze tv subscriber we're going to make it as inexpensive as ever thirty dollars off your annual subscription when you use the promo code steve at blaze tv.com so you don't miss tonight's uh, debate preview any of our post debate coverage tonight that i'll be a part of as well here on blaze tv blaze tv.com promo code steve get the cheapest discount ever to blaze tv it comes out to just five dollars and 75 cents a month now i can't speak for the other 11 months but the this month i'm pretty confident this uh, this thing called blaze tv is worth five dollars and 75 cents at least this month all right so give it a shot promo code steve over at blaze tv.com you can also email us steve at stevedace.com to let us know what you think about what we think that's d-e-a-c-e like us on facebook follow us on twitter at steve dace show over on parlor at steve dace and check out our new youtube channel youtube.com slash steve dace also check out my new book a nefarious carol which releases nationwide on december the 15th go over to amazon.com type in a nefarious carol you can learn more about the book get your pre-order today to make sure you get it the very day that it comes out on december the 15th just in time for christmas my new book a nefarious carol this morning the daily beast of all sources basically confirms anthony fauci debbie burks don't know a damn thing and we're going to talk about that with an old friend of the program, Jay Richards, who's got a book out, uh, The Price of Panic, How the Tyranny of Experts Turned a Pandemic into a Catastrophe. Remember that video we had a few months ago, gentlemen? Debbie Burks in the White House lawn. Boy, I really wish we could have locked down like Italy, right? Yes. Yeah. Italy is now under siege with the virus yet again because lockdowns don't work, but they do kill. So we'll get into that here at the bottom of the hour. We'll continue Theology Thursday and our series looking back on my book, A Nefarious Plot. And there has been some nefarious plotting that has been (laughs) unveiled here in these last 24 hours. Uh, What else? Oh, and then today I think it's necessary that we do this. It is necessary that we take a break, take a deep breath, and play three non-political questions today. And now, Aaron, that's your heads up. I'm just kidding. I'm actually prepared this week. What's your favorite color? (laughs) Give me your Mount Rushmore of colors. (laughs) Who am I? Yes. Why am I here? Indeed. Thank you. Uh, Describe God and give three examples. Go. (laughs) Yes. All right. So we have a ton to get to here today. And of course, to lead it all off, here is Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. 
What happened while we were away brought to you by another bombshell. Fox News obtained a statement from former Navy lieutenant and Biden business partner Tony Bobolinsky. I'm going to read you that statement in its entirety. Quote, my name is Tony Bobolinsky. The facts set forth below are true and accurate. They are not any form of domestic or foreign disinformation. Any suggestion to the contrary is false and offensive. I am the recipient of the email published seven days ago by the New York Post, which showed a copy to Hunter Biden and Rob Walker. That email is genuine. This afternoon, I received a request from the Senate Committee on Homeland Security and Government Affairs and the Senate Committee on Finance requesting all documents relating to my business affairs with the Biden family, as well as various foreign entities and individuals. I have extensive relevant records and communications, and I intend to produce these items to both committees in the immediate future. I'm the grandson of a 37-year-old Army intelligence officer, the son of a 20-plus-year career naval officer, and the brother of a 28-year career naval flight officer. I myself served our country for four years and left the Navy as Lieutenant Bobolinsky. I held a high-level security clearance and was an instructor at the then-CTO for Naval Nuclear Power Training Command. I take great pride in the time my family and I served this country. I'm also not political. What few campaign contributions I've made in my life were to Democrats. If the media and big tech companies had done their jobs over the past several weeks, I would be irrelevant in this story. Giving my long standing service and devotion to this great country, I could no longer allow my family's name to be associated or tied to Russian disinformation or implied lies and false narratives dominating the media right now. After leaving the military, I became an institutional investor investing extensively around the world and on every continent. I've traveled over 50 countries. I believe, hands down, we live in the greatest country in the world. What I'm outlining is fact. I know it is fact because I lived it. I'm the CEO of Sinahawk Holdings, which was a partnership between the Chinese operating through CEFC, Chairman Yi, and the Biden family. I was brought into the company to be the CEO by James Gillier and Hunter Biden. The reference to the big guy in the much-publicized May 13, 2017 email is, in fact, a reference to Joe Biden. The other JB referenced in that email is Jim Biden, Joe's brother. Hunter Biden called his dad the big guy or my chairman and frequently referenced asking him for sign off or advice on various potential deals that we were discussing. I've seen Vice President Biden saying he never talked to Hunter about his businesses. I've seen firsthand that's not true because it wasn't just Hunter's business. They said they were putting the Biden family name and its legacy on the line. I realized the Chinese were not really focused on a healthy financial ROI. They were looking at this as a political or influence investment. Once I realized that Hunter wanted to use the company as his personal piggy bank by just taking money out of it as soon as it came in from the Chinese, I took steps to prevent that from happening. The Johnson report connected some dots in a way that shocked me. It made me realize the Bidens had gone behind my back and gotten paid millions of dollars by the Chinese, even though they told me they hadn't and wouldn't do that to their partners. I would ask the Biden family to address the American people and outline the facts so I can go back to being irrelevant. And so I am not put in a position to have to answer those questions for them. I don't have a political axe to grind. I just saw behind the Biden curtain and I grew concerned with what I saw. The Biden family aggressively leveraged the Biden family name to make millions of dollars from foreign entities, even though some were from communist controlled China. God bless America. Again, that's a statement from former Navy Lieutenant and Biden business partner, Tony Bobolinsky.
As of Thursday morning, the New York Post is still locked out of their Twitter account for posting the original bombshells regarding the younger Biden's shady at best business dealings overseas. Meanwhile, MSNBC host Rachel Maddow and numerous other liberal personalities and outlets were fooled into spreading a false claim against Rudy Giuliani after accusations of inappropriate behavior surfaced. The video from an upcoming Borat movie appeared to show Giuliani reaching into his pants while speaking to a fake reporter in a hotel room. Giuliani later tweeted that he was merely trying to take off his microphone and that he was being smeared because of the revelations he was making about what's on a hard drive allegedly owned by Hunter Biden. Blue check marks from Huffington Post, Bleacher Report, Daily Beast, Vox, Vancouver Sun, and a former Clinton administration official all reposted a claim from Nick Jacobs, the vice president of College Democrats of Indiana, that he had fooled Giuliani via text into believing he was Ivanka Trump. None of their accounts have been suspended. Also, the FBI announced last night that threatening messages sent to Democrats appearing to be from the group The Proud Boys actually came from an attempted Iranian and Russian disinformation plot. Director of National Intelligence John Ratcliffe said, We have already seen Iran sending spoofed emails designed to intimidate voters, incite social unrest, and damage President Trump. And finally, if this is Joe Biden's closing pitch, yikes. America was an idea, an idea. We hold these truths to be self-evident. We've never lived up to it, but we've never walked away from it before. Those comments came from a podcast interview with Brene Brown, and that's what happened while we were away. So while the left embraces things like cancel culture, no reason we can't get in on some of the action. Um, Why not cancel your mobile phone company that's likely giving money to a bunch of left-wing causes that you don't agree with and go with Patriot Mobile instead, the only conservative veteran-led mobile phone company in the country. They share your values. They'll never charge you hidden fees. And unlike Big Mobile, they don't take the profits you help them make and give them to organizations, uh, soul-crushing organizations like Planned Parenthood or any other left-wing causes. So you can get the same nationwide service and support a company that loves the country and shares your values at the same time. Switching is easy. You can keep your phone number, bring your own phone, or buy a new one. And right now when you join their family of freedom-loving Americans, you get free activation plus a free gift when you use the promo code Steve. A free activation plus a free gift with the promo code Steve if you go to patriotmobile.com slash Steve, patriotmobile.com slash Steve, or give them a call at 972-PATRIOT. That's 972-PATRIOT. Wow. Um, Where to begin on on this story today? Um. I told you last week when the New York Post story came out that I had been given a heads up that a, quote, bomb was about to drop. This is the bomb. And and forgive me, Aaron, the correct pronunciation of the whistleblower's name here is... Bubulinski. Bubulinski. All right. Tony Bubulinski is the bomb that I was told about. Um, and I was asked to not give out any details until the story was closer to coming out. And, um, I'm trying to think of what all I should or can say. 
let, let me say this for now. This statement from Bobolinsky, the specificity by which he speaks, the outing himself, I was not given his name, by the way. I was just told that it was a whistleblower with a service record and impeccable credentials. And and so imagine then, <laughs> I'm told this like two weeks ago. A few days later, I get up and I, I'm seeing trending this New York Post story. And it's virtually the same story in terms of the racket that the Bidens were running. It's virtually the same story. It's just with a different country. And I'm like, well, another country heard from. And if you go read the original New York Post story and doesn't doesn't Twitter and Facebook owe one of the nation's oldest newspapers founded by Alexander Hamilton, doesn't it owe them an apology today? Oh, but hey, they, they did make sure that Washington Post piece, which frankly I fell for, that said the uh, Oxford vaccine trials had uh, killed one of their volunteers and then left out the part. And I retweeted the story. I went back and deleted the retweet because it turns out the the volunteer it killed was actually taking He was in the control group. He was taking the placebo and the, the placebo was the meningitis vaccine. That's what I understand. Yes. Or therapeutic. Think that detail is necessary. Think it adds any context to the story at all. All right. That it, it actually wasn't the coronavirus vaccine that this person had taken. He was in the control group. He was on the placebo. And it just so happens the placebo was actually another big pharma vaccine or therapeutic. They're probably just following NPR's rules. We don't comment on stories we don't care about. Our- yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, of course, that was allowed to run rampant yesterday. Whether Rudy Giuliani was tucking a shirt in or exposing himself or the video was edited, that was allowed to run wild yesterday. Uh, a young man who purported to have a private exchange with Rudy that he outed and then pointed out the whole thing was a hoax. And a bunch of people in the lefty media, a bunch of blue check marks with big platforms jumped on that. That was allowed to run wild yesterday. And I, and I don't know who needs to hear this, but I'm kind of thinking the guy that acquired the mayor's office in America's largest city by taking on the mob. And then the guy who brought that city back post 9-11. He's got his issues, man. I've disagreed with him at times over the years. But I'm just kind of thinking that guy's probably not going to be deterred by embarrassing or edited videos or your social media ratio. I don't know who needs to hear this, but I'm thinking it's going to take a little bit more to get Mr. Giuliani to shut up than that. Can I get a second on that? Seconded. Yeah. Yeah, you're not... You're not dealing here with some flip boy mangina Republican in the Senate. Oh, no. Oh, no, Mr. Bill. Oh, no. Fire Marshal Bill. He's losing it because Pez Dispenser 69 me on Twitter has me ratioed. That's not this guy. With Giuliani, got to worry about the opposite, man. Just running off half cocked. You know what I'm saying? But you're you're, you're not going to. If that was what that was yesterday, some kind of threat or intimidation or embarrassing tactic 
dude, Rudy Giuliani once showed up in drag yeah. at a gay rights parade while he was the mayor of New York. He once moved his mistress into the mayor's mansion while he was still married. All right. It's going to take a little more, I think. I don't know who needs to hear this. But I'm thinking somebody out there listening right now needs to know it's going to take a little bit more to shame one Rudy Giuliani. Okay? It's going to take a little bit more. <laughs> All right? Um, so this story comes out in the New York Post, and this all comes from Hunter Biden's laptop. And I'm aware that this is there's this other story out there. And it, it actually wasn't until we went on the air, before we went on the air today, that I actually informed you guys what this other story was. Right. So, I mean, I mean, I was sworn to secrecy this entire time and kept up with it. If you read the note from that whistleblower, here's what I will say. Because this is a story that's far beyond me and my capabilities now. I can I can assure you. The level of specificity. And Mr. Bobolowski's Bobolowski, correct, 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 Aaron Bobolowski. Yeah, thank you. In Mr. Bobolowski's statement, the level of specificity there is not an outlier. Not an outlier. I'll say that. Am I okay saying that? Like, yeah. Yeah, I don't think I'm, I'm, I probably don't want to go any further, but I will say that um, he he has other communications about this matter speaking with similar confidence and specificity. Doesn't mean he's right, right? Doesn't mean that. It just means you're not going to be able to discredit him the way that you maybe could somebody else. You're going to have to actually take his evidence head on and deal with it objectively. He's not going to be the mark. And I think that's part of why he, this is just my own theory now, I don't know this. I think that's part of why he took the initiative to put those statements out yet last night to the New York Post and Fox News while many of us were asleep. I, I think that was him saying, you know, I worked in, I'm, I'm third generation military. I had national security clearance. I'm an intelligence officer. I know how this process works. And and we're not starting the hashtag Tony Bubalowski didn't kill himself or, um, you know, here's here's my search history from 2003. And and I and I and and one of the girls I pleasured myself to on some proto version of Pornhub was underage. And and so now I'm a I'm, I can't be listened to. I, I'm not playing that game. I know how it's played. And so let me just go ahead and throw a gauntlet down right now. Throw the marker down right now. I'm told that, he, that it was the Wall Street Journal that was working with Mr. Bobolowski on the story. I think I can say that too. And I don't, I don't, don't, don't know why the Wall Street Journal dragged their feet on this story. Originally, I was told that it could come out right before the last debate or it was going to come out sooner. And then I don't know what went on there for sure. They, they clearly dragged their feet for some odd reason. But I think when Mr. Bobolowski saw what was going on with Ron Johnson's committee in the U.S. Senate and saw some of the doc- documentation there from your home state of Wisconsin, I think he just decided, yeah, I'm, I know how the game is played and I'm, I'm not getting Rachel mad out here. So let me just lay my gauntlet down right now, throw my marker down right now. Here's who I am. Here's what I got. Come at me, bros. All right. I had national security clearance. I'm not a shrinking violet here. So it doesn't mean what he's saying is true. That's not what it means. But I think you're dealing here with a level of sophistication we don't typically see in whistleblowers. A level of biography we don't typically see in whistleblowers. Um, A level of initiative we don't typically see 
and whistleblowers. And I think Mr. Bobolowski has taken this story to an entirely different level. Entirely. This, this is far beyond the Clinton Foundation. Here, here's what went on with the Clinton Foundation. They never really did any work. They never really did anything, but were raking in millions and millions of dollars in cash. And so there was an implied quid pro quo there, right? I mean, what are they doing? What are, what are they doing? They're not like on the front lines of, you know, some pestilence in Africa. So, I mean, what is this foundation doing to acquire all this money from these major foreign heads of state and interests across the globe? And so it, it's like our buddy Phil Kirpin said last week about the Hunter Biden laptop. What's the innocent explanation for this, right? Mm-hmm. What's the innocent explanation for why the secretary of state wife of a former president and the presumed next president of the United States was able to raise all this cash for a foundation that did basically nothing. Right. Yes. And then notice that the funding all dried up when she lost the president presidential election. We don't have any direct linkage there that indicates that. Right. Or if we do, then we just didn't put the people in prison that should have, that were linked to it. Correct. But there's clearly an implication there that something had to be going on in order to acquire this level of funding for doing nothing. And the obvious implication is peddling influence peddling, money for access. What Mr. Bobolowski is doing here is taking that to an entirely different level. <clears throat> taking um, Whitewater, if you remember that scandal, to an entirely different level. I mean, he's... He's brought the receipts. And and he's saying, I'm the receipt. I'm one of them. I was in on all these conversations. I know where every one of the bodies are buried. I mean, he he skipped any kind of introductory step and just went right to Swift Boat Veterans for Truth. And that's what he did. Said, yeah, 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 hey, we were there. Here's our military credentials. We were there with John Kerry. And uh, he's a fraud. We were there. And we don't like the fact that he came back home while we were still dying over there and trashed our mission and what we were trying to accomplish. He, he skipped any pleasantries and just went right for the kill shot. Now, he has to know, and he's a man of means. This is a guy that works in the financier community. He's not dumb. He has to know that he's going to become part of the story now, if not the story now. There. Everything he's been a part of, every search history online, every business deal, that's all being gone through now to try to find some way to do to discredit him. He has to know this. You would assume, right? Yeah. And he seems to me like he's totally okay with that. He's the opening paragraph of that statement. To me, as someone who works in media and has worked in media for a long time, that strikes me as a a, a statement specifically crafted in its opening to say I will Covington Catholic your ass if you try this on me if you try slander libel whatever you pay those Covington Catholic kids triple it that that, that looks to me like it is specific like it reads like an affidavit really the way he preemptively answers the question about his motivations well I found out they they were making money behind my back and lied to me. That's my motivation. And then I found out they were doing it with influence peddling with the Chinese communists and I'm a patriot. So there's, there's the preemptive answering of objections. 
He lists his own biography, credentials, his own family credentials, generations of service to the country. This isn't a guy, what I'm trying to tell you is that statement isn't just some random act by a guy who is cutting out magazine pictures and for secret messages that he will put in your mailbox. That's not a manifesto. It's a mission statement. Again, doesn't mean that what he is claiming is true, but it does mean it's going to be have to it's going to have to be taken seriously. It does mean that. And I think it has taken this story to an entirely different level. And based on what I was told about this story originally, I I think you can assume that this is not his only act of specificity that we are going to see from Tony Bubalowski. This is not, today will not be the only day you hear his name. So let me stop there because I don't want to go too far. Gentlemen, your thoughts or questions or comments? No, I listen, I don't know any more about this than everybody watching the show right now and who listened to what Aaron read. But I've seen this movie before. I don't know about you. This guy woke up one day and realized that he was Tom Cruise in The Firm, John Grisham's book. Or Julia Roberts in The Pelican uh, yeah. Brief. I'm going to pick him. Just <laughs> yeah. like, woke up, like, I got into this, yeah. you know, for a lot. He talks, I got into this for this reason, and this reason, this reason. You remember that movie? Tom Cruise, just a, a driven lawyer, wanted to be a part of one of the best firms there is. And I, I remember how that was shot. I mean, it actually showed Tom Cruise, like, re- the look on his face, realizing, oh, my God, I'm working for the mob. I think he was. And... And listen, this is me reading between the lines now of just what I've heard. But it's it's not not only did he realize that this is something I don't want to be a part of. Listen, this is me. I think this guy knows he was brought into this to be the patsy all along if things turn sideways. That's what I think, Todd Erzin. Because and I think that's what's behind this level of passion now. Like I'm no way. You, you, I am going down like that on behalf of not only what I believe when he's invoking his ancestors. No, no, no. We don't not have a history for that. It's, you know, a lot of people maybe get in, involved in things in life um, that go a little crooked, but it wasn't intended to be crooked all along. I think this guy knows that he was always a patsy in this thing. And if things it's, turn sideways, all of a sudden this guy, yeah. this is, that's why he's not part of these things all yeah. along. It's either that, there's only two options here. It's either that, who was the former Indiana senator, Gary Hart, in 1984, was on, was on the brink of upsetting Walter Mondale in the Democratic presidential primary, and there was rumors that he had a mistress. And he, he, he debunked them publicly, dared the press to follow yeah. him around, right? And so the press followed him around, and they found him on his boat with his mistress, right? Okay. Either Tony Bubalowski is the 21st century Gary Hart, he literally said to the entire leftist media that we found out yesterday, some of them are combing the dark web, looking to dox private citizens of their information to out you as a Trump supporter, mm-hmm. right? You know, I mean, he's either he's either he's either covered himself in meat and walked into a room of Doberman pinchers and said, "I dare you. I I hate living this much, and I'm so bored." Then I'm anxious to take. I'm going to take the chow. I'm going to. I'm going to take the Doberman Pinscher challenge. That's an option. Sure. He, he Gary. He's Gary Harding himself as we speak right now. Because and let's face it, 
If, if, if it didn't die last year, 2020 is the year self-awareness was killed in America, right? Okay? That is an option. That this is, though, a whole new layer of, like, suicidal self-awareness. Yes. Like, and my name, and my integrity, and my family, and, and, and my ability to show my face at any public function the rest of my life, level of, of dumb, of, self, of lack of self-awareness, right? Right. It's either that, or it's what you said. I don't see another option. I don't believe there's an in-between option. It's what I said. He's either deep throat or a complete and total fraud fool. It's one or the other. Aaron, what are your thoughts? There are two reasons why I think he realized he was the patsy. One, and he both, and he mentioned both things in the report. He specifically mentions that he realizes that Hunter Biden back then was just using this shell company as his personal piggy bank. And then he says, this bubbles, he says he took steps to stop that from actually happening, happening when the money came in from China. So that's one thing. And then you pair that together with what came out in the Johnson report, which he also mentions. And that's when he realizes those steps that I took didn't actually work. They were still doing this behind my back. And I just want to say, As far as what impact this will have, I I agree that this takes us to another level. There's always the there's always the thoughts of people don't care because everybody's corrupt. But the story around the story of big tech censorship and the Overton window, we're really going to test that here in the next couple days. I would I would imagine. Here's what I would urge everybody to do right now. Go read Sean Davis's Twitter feed at The Federalist right now during the break. Morning. Morning. So what does COVID-19 have to do with potentially losing your home? Turns out it could be a lot. The feds are saying because of the stupid lockdowns. We were online, living online, doing transactions online, learning online, living online more than ever before. And not surprisingly, we've seen a a steep increase in cybercrime accordingly, up to 75% this year. And it gets worse because online is where a lot of our home titles are kept these days as well. Cyber criminals know this, so they go online, forge your signature on a quitclaim deed and refile as the new owner of your home. Before you know it, you could be off the title. You may never know it until late notices, foreclosure notices, eviction notices come in the mail, or or you go to get that loan. You you go to get that uh, second mortgage or that HELOC and, because it's your equity, it's your investment, and it's gone. It's not there. So what can be done about it? Well, that's where Home Title Lock comes in. They will put a virtual barrier around your home's title so that the instant they detect any tampering whatsoever, they will mobilize to shut it down. But first things first, go over to HomeTitleLock.com right now and see if you're already a victim and don't know it by registering your address there at HomeTitleLock.com. And then while you're there, if you'd like to get 30 free days of protection for your home, Use the promo code radio for 30 free days of protection. Use the promo code radio at home lock.com. Well, we're finally starting to learn now as we look at excess deaths. We had the report yesterday, the study yesterday that showed the largest increase of excess death this year actually came in an age group that has anywhere between a 98.8 and a 99.2 recovery rate from coronavirus. which means that it was largely seeing excess deaths in that age group because of the effects of the lockdowns, the denial of healthcare. The story from Australia yesterday, we had that on our montage, the babies denied surgeries 
because a country of 25 million people has had 900 deaths from coronavirus. And so these children were being denied their health care and they're dead now. We're starting to finally see the cost on the back end of these stupid and immoral lockdowns. And there's a new book out that seeks to answer that question as well. It's called The Price of Panic, How the Tyranny of Experts Turned a Pandemic into a Catastrophe. One of the co-authors uh, we've had on this show numerous times over the years, J.W. Richards. Jay, it's good to have you back with us, brother. How are you? Just fine. Thanks for having me, Steve. Jay, I don't know if you saw this today, because I'm guessing the Daily Beast is probably not on your uh, daily ruminations. Okay, one of your bookmarks on your device? No? Okay. Um, I, I'm, I'll take one for the team, though. Uh, I saw it today. They've got a story out today about Italy. So, you know, Italy was one of those countries we were told did it well, despite the fact that right. their death rate has still been higher than ours this entire time. Um, uh, Debbie Burks went on camera earlier this year and said she wished it, that we would have done a lockdown like Italy and just been done with this once and for all. Well, they are now mired in a massive second wave. Most of Europe is, as a matter of fact, mm -hmm. trying to figure out what to do. Uh, they just take the Sweden approach and isolate the most vulnerable and learn to live with it. Do we do more lockdowns? Boris Johnson has literally lost his damn mind in the United Kingdom. Mm -hmm. I don't know what's going on there. But it's funny because one of the, one of the lines in the Daily Beast story is they're puzzled because Italy literally did everything it says that Dr. Fauci says to do, and yet mm -hmm. it didn't work. What are your thoughts on that, Jay? Well, first of all, they shouldn't be listening to Dr. Fauci. He's not, <laughs> just as I wish that in, in March and <laughs> April, uh, President Trump had had some other advisors other than Dr. Fauci. As you know, you were early on this. You were one of the brave souls that talked about this. But his advice, the 2.2 million dead if the president didn't shut down the, the economy, was, of course, based on that bogus Imperial College London model. We uh, now knew very quickly it, was, it wasn't going to pan out. Um, but what all of us really want to believe is that because we endured so much pain with the government-imposed lockdowns, we want to believe that, well, okay, maybe there was some gain. Maybe they did some good. Uh, but, you know, the reality is we do this in the book. We just sit, like, let's look at all the states that had lockdowns, ones that didn't, and those that were in the middle, and then all the countries, uh, and just compare them. Compare their death and hospitalization and case curves, and then just map when the government-imposed lockdowns happened. If they had an effect, you'd see a signal in the data. You'd see a bend in that curve following a certain, basically 10 or 11 days after the government imposed lockdowns went into place, if, if the, the lockdowns actually did anything. What we found, depressingly, is that the coronavirus seems to be completely indifferent to these government imposed lockdowns. You just, you don't see them at all. If you didn't know the dates in which different states imposed these lockdowns, you'd never be able to guess it from actually looking at the data. And so it's depressing to have to be the one that to deliver this news, but the, the lockdowns, at least those that are imposed by the government after voluntary measures don't seem to actually do anything and it's crazy that we would talk about doing it again how much of this was just hey it is a novel virus now we've been we've known of coronaviruses for much of mm -hmm. you know the last hundred years but how much of this was it's a novel virus we can't trust china or any of their data and we have no idea really what is, we're kind of flying blind here and making this up in real time how much of this was that, which I think we can all understand and all to some degree would prefer our government err on the, on the side of caution in such a matter than cavalier, right? How much of it was that? Yes. And then how much of it then became, though, we talk about it on our show and we call it scientism. 
And it's the mm-hmm. line that it's the line Matt Damon uses in The Martian. I'm going to science the bleep out of this. That science doesn't. We, you know, we used science. The the great pioneers of modern science believed that science was observational in nature. That it Mm -hmm. that it discovered the deep truths, the the deep magic that was already there in the creation. Just human beings hadn't mustered the ability to to latch on or figure these things out for themselves yet. Nowadays, we have scientism. That science conjures truth. Truth. Science makes stuff happen. Science solves issues and problems that we didn't even know about how much of this was then a worldview issue which is hey we can we can actually stop a virus from spreading Mm -hmm. by taking the healthy people off the board and just removing you from society and then when the virus shows up it'll be like a spaghetti western Nobody's in town. Yeah. Do, 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 And just like rustling uh, spurs and, and cacti rolling down the street. And the virus has no one to infect. We're all underground. And the virus leaves. And we wave goodbye and go back to our lives. That's scientism. That, we, that's never worked for hu- in human history. How much of it was just a bad worldview? Well, I think it's definitely a mix. I mean, in January, when, as you said, look, there were five weeks where the World Health Organization was carrying water from China uh, for China. We didn't know really the details. We didn't know infection fatality rate. So I'm inclined to be forgiving of government leaders and public health officials early on. Uh, But the idea for the lockdowns, it's not just that we are dealing with the kind of tyranny of experts and technocracy and scientism. But what's funny is we're actually also just dealing with a failure to look at the empirical, the basic empirical evidence. There was never any evidence for population-wide lockdowns. This is a new idea that emerged in the public health community really in the 2000s. And we hadn't really tried it, certainly globally. And so in some ways, it was an experiment waiting to be tested. Even the World Health Organization in 2019, October, a year ago, said there's no really good evidence that these kind of lockdowns would make much difference and a lot of evidence they would do harm. But all that just sort of changed in March. Suddenly, okay, well, we're going to run this experiment. Rather than quarantining the sick, which is what a quarantine is, we're going to impose lockdowns on absolutely everyone. Uh, There were always scientists from the very beginning that said, look, there's no evidence that this is going to work. Unfortunately, they weren't talking to the president. Instead, we had a couple of uh, officials that happened to have worked for the federal government advising the president at the time. Two very smart people, as President Trump said on April the 8th. They told him 2.2 million people would die if he didn't shut down the economy. And so, you know, he was sort of stuck between a rock and a hard place. He went with their advice at the time. We just need to make sure that we don't have that scenario again the most fascinating thing about this and you mentioned jay i was one of the people on the front lines of pushing back on this mm-hmm. when i started yes. doing so i really thought that this was going to be a proxy for the the global warming debate and it was mm-hmm. going to be the steve dace jay richards and breitbart's of the world against academia and and the science community what blew me yeah. away is is literally two days after imperial college came out with its survey uh, experts at Oxford came out and called complete BS on its survey and said, no way the UK government, Boris Johnson, should follow this. What blew me away was that experts at Stanford University, before I even knew what a Scott Atlas right. or who he was, all right, just people that worked in public health like Johnny and Edie's and others were like, yes. this is not how we do epidemiology. What in the world are you guys even? Articles written by Yale people in the New York Times. These are these are not places where typically Jay Richards readers and Steve, Steve Dace viewers no. and listeners go to to get their news right. and opinion. And and within the scientific community, they were already saying, what are you governments doing with this? And what blew me away, I mean, Sweden, which gave the world Greta Thunberg last year, 
Yes, exactly. Suddenly now defies all of that to say we're actually just going to follow real-time data and and do what we've always done with plagues without vaccines and try to mitigate its exposure to the most vulnerable while the healthy go out and live. Um, Why did these governments... You would think the political motivation would be yeah, let's not like shut the economy down and cause depressions, knowing it's reelected with the depression going on. And yet the governments actually ignored all of the scientific inquiry that said we are we don't right. need to be doing this and went with a narrow minority sliver of the scientific community that said to do this instead. What, how do you explain that? That's the thing that really needs to be explained. That's the, the, the thing without which none of this would have happened. And we ultimately explained it in terms of social contagion, effectively. So the media intrinsically has an incentive to terrify us because it's boring to hear stories about, you know, 330 million Americans are still alive today, just like yesterday, right? We don't, we're not interested in that. So they, there's a natural incentive to uh, catastrophize and to sensationalize. So there's that. But there's also this new thing with social media and real-time access to high-definition video in which we all have so that it's just now that we've had the first sort of global pandemic that also had the capacity to go viral globally and simultaneously. So one outlier event, an old man falls over dead in China somewhere, somebody catches it on Instagram, uploads it, and a billion people see it in a few days, right? That's a weird outlier event that suddenly everyone thinks is representative. So that mm-hmm. if you looked at the polls in March and April, 80 some odd percent of the population in the United States was absolutely terrified and supported the lockdowns. And so at the time, it was actually kind of the politically wise move. Is a, you know, The reality is 80% of the population really wants to be locked down. That was what I struggled with, that are, you know, people aren't paying attention. There was gen- genuine terror and fear. And so that's why that ended up, honestly, I don't think it could have happened. If the populations had refused to comply, the lockdowns would have been sparse and they would have sort of petered out. But even now, Steve, here we are in middle mid-October, about half the population is still absolutely terrified. They still think about 9% of the population has died from the coronavirus. So they think it's 150 times more deadly than it actually is. Well, they didn't get that information from studying the CDC website. They got it from the media and they got it from social media. And I think that's that, that's ultimately where the lion's share of the blame for the panic, I think, has to be, has to be laid. It's at, at the feet of the media. All right. So final question, Jay. You kind of described a, a proto version of a PSYOP, basically. Um, yeah. What does this tell us then about the future? What it t- What it tells us is that public health crises are probably the very best way for bad actors to control large populations. If you mm-hmm. want us to comply, don't tell us it's for our own good. Tell us it's for the good of other more vulnerable people, because then they, that uses our legitimate altruism and morality against us. And I think that's what we're going to look for in the future is people g- generally doing this for the wrong reason as opposed to accidentally. Totally agree. Uh, it's called The Price of Panic, How the Tyranny of Experts Turned a Pandemic into a Catastrophe. Good to see you again, brother. J.W. Richards, thanks for joining us, Jay. God bless. All right, take care. Thanks, Steve. You too. All right, thank you. So I mentioned before we brought Jay on during the break, everybody go over and read Sean Davis's Twitter feed over at The Federalist, right? Yeah. I know you've been reading it while I was talking right. to Jay. You have any quick thoughts on what you're seeing there? Because... I think you're seeing more of the specificity that I alluded to. That what what I had been told is that Mr. Mr. Bubalowski brought the uh, he brought the receipts. Yeah, this is this is not just a rant. There's there's a paper trail here.
This goes to the question you just asked our guest about what do you think all this means? It's a the level of specificity, what you have to know now, if you care to know about this uh, and uh, what's going on with Hunter Biden. Also, what you couldn't really not know, experts from the beginning about lockdowns, masks, the efficacy, yet we go in the opposite direction, Twitter lockdowns, media lockdowns, not knowing. It means we are in deep trouble going forward. No no one has suffered a cost yet. So either these people are going to continue to pull the puppet strings on this nation on multiple fronts that are at war with who we are as a nation, fundamentally, or we have to take them out. Here's what Deshaun Davis has, an email to Hunter Biden's partner from a top Chinese official, government official. On July 26th, 2017, shows the Chinese energy company CF, CEFC proposed a $5 million interest-free loan to the Biden family, quote, based on their trust on uh, the Biden family. And then it goes on to say, quote, should CEFC keep lending more to the family? So this is a gentleman who was the former vice president. Yes. Was clearly gearing up for a presidential run. And in the process of that, was securing for himself interest-free loans from a country that is America's chief economic rival, and then we now know unleashed the virus that caused the panic that we were just talking about with J.W. Richards, which caused 40 million-plus Americans to lose their jobs, over 200,000 Americans to lose their lives. I, I, don't, I don't even know what to say to that. I, I don't even know what to say to that. I, and guys, two things here. If it were not, it, it, we're talking about two different sets of these emails here. One is from the business partner. Yeah. Some of which overlap with some that were on the laptop whose hard drive backup was given to Rudy Giuliani. So two corroborating, two corroborating sources there. If it were not for this Bubulinski guy, who is not a rando, but you've never heard of him. Nobody's ever heard of him. If it weren't for that random compared, uh, computer repair shop technician, we would have never, never known. Never known about this. This is the vice president of the United States here. This is the vice president or the former vice president of, of the United States. How many more of these types of deals do you think are going on? No doubt. Lower levels of no our doubt. government. How That's is it even point. legal to get an interest-free loan? How is it even legal to get an interest-free loan from a foreign? The enti- interest like this. The entire bureaucracy has become an ATM for vested interests. They do not care about your interest whatsoever, other than to continue to perpetuate that level of power. I mean, we've had a lot of talk about the Trump's taxes. Does it say interest-free loan from the Shycoms on the Biden family taxes? Does anybody know? I don't believe so. I, I, I think maybe we need to know that. More in a moment. We're back with Hour 2 live and on demand here on an insane day. Here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. I, I, I'm trying to think in my career... Have I ever seen so many above the fold 
A-list, dominate the headlines for a day, stories all break in one day. We'll get into some of that here in just a few minutes as we lead into Theology Thursday. Steve at SteveDace.com is how you can email the show. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. That's D-E-A-C-E over on Parlor at Steve Dace. Check out our new YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Steve Dace as well. And then, if you're a podcast listener, we love you very much. You can show your love for us by hitting that subscribe button, leaving us a five-star review wherever it is that you podcast us from. Thanks to all of you that have done that for us, because that helps the show to grow even more. Uh, because of everything going on right now, man, I needed my energy boost. I just grabbed me my uh, pumpkin built bar during the break. Good time for me to say to you, take advantage of the 20% off with the promo code Steve right now at BuiltBart.com. Built, and I don't, gosh, I don't know. So a couple days ago, or last week, you guys were emailing me, hey, promo code Dace doesn't work. I use promo code Steve and it does. Now you guys are emailing me and telling me promo code Steve doesn't work. I use promo code Dace and it does. I, You're welcome. That's yes. my fault. Yeah, just try them both. I don't, I don't know now. I don't know what the promo code is. If, try Dace. If it doesn't work, go with Steve. Do you yeah, know what it is? It, it should be Dace now. Okay. Promo code DACE, and Steve's your backup plan, all right, if DACE doesn't work. Because trust me, you want to make sure you take advantage of this. You have never had a protein bar this good. You haven't had some candy bars that are this good, all right? Uh, less than 200 calories, less than five grams of sugar in every one that I've seen so far, all covered in real chocolate, 18 phenomenal flavors. BuiltBar.com, B-U-I-L-T. For BuiltBar.com, that's BuiltBar.com, use the promo code DACE, to get 20% off. Trust me, you won't regret this purchase at BuiltBar.com. All right, I mentioned an incredible news day. I mean, in the you've been, you guys have both been here now for, for five years. Can you remember, even on an election night, on a caucus night, because at least then you had a singular event, right? There are things going on right now we would do like entire shows on that I just don't have to get time to get to in the moment. For example, after surrendering to big tech earlier this week, Josh Hawley, senator from Missouri, has announced that now, because you guys put the pressure on him, I should say, uh, now the Senate Judiciary Committee has, the Republicans on the committee, the majority, have voted unanimously. They are going to subpoena big tech now and bring them forth. That's a big story about all the censorship and everything yeah. that's going on. That would be a big story that we would normally highlight a lot. Ghislaine Maxwell, basically the pimp for Jeffrey Epstein. It, was she his lover, partner uh, in, in human trafficking, business partner, what have you? Her documents are going to be unsealed today. I mean, is that a, is that a pretty big story? It is. Yeah. I mean, that, that that could be a pretty big story of what names are in there, right? I, I have not even had time to even go through what's been unsealed yet because of everything that is going on. There's a debate tonight. It, it could be the most impactful presidential debate in many a moon, many an election cycle. Should that be a big story, do you think? Yeah. We won't even have time to preview it, folks. <laughs> so we're going to do that in the overtime today. Good news is if you're not yet a Blaze TV subscriber, we, we've made it as inexpensive for you as ever before. $30 off an annual subscription. So it costs you about $5.75 a month for a year. That's it. When you go to blazetv.com, use the promo code Steve to get that 
uh, biggest discount ever between now and the election. BlazeTV.com, promo code Steve. And you can watch tonight's post-debate coverage here on The Blaze that I'll be a part of on Blaze TV as well. I mean, there's an incredible amount of information that is going on right now, breaking right now. Um, we, we touched on the second wave in Europe that's going on right now. Italy, uh, looking at a second wave. Lockdowns don't work. Could we do a show on that? We could. We could. And 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 we have. Except it wouldn't be analytical or prophetic anymore like it has been. We've done it for the last six months. It would just be, hey, we were right. It would, be, it would just be confirmation. Here's, there's, here's another story. George Floyd, maybe the most impactful name in this country other than COVID-19 in the year 2020, right? Yeah. The judge today in Minneapolis, I, 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 I think Judge Cahill, don't know anything about him, what his previous record is on the bench or anything like that, but I think Judge Cahill, man, needs a brownie button because he might have saved whatever's left of the city of Minneapolis from being burnt to the ground by what he did here this morning. Judge Cahill has thrown out the third degree murder charge against Officer Chauvin, which there is zero evidence for. When you see the body cam footage, and there's a reason why the body cam footage wasn't the lead story above the fold at the New York Times, Washington Post, wasn't the lead story on every primetime show on CNN and MSNBC, but they acted like, a lot of you probably are like, wait, there was George Floyd body cam footage? Yeah, there was. The memory hole in this country is very, very full. Yeah, yeah. Some of you only lost the cities you live in over this issue, right? Um, The businesses you own, the communities you live in, you lost them to the riots as a result of this. And the body cam footage just, it doesn't doesn't justify putting your knee on the neck of a grown man for nine minutes. Doesn't justify that. But it certainly doesn't justify a third degree murder charge, the likes of which the attorney general up there, Keith Ellison, a self-described member of Antifa, uh, put on in order to politically grandstand. Who knows? At best, he did that to politically grandstand. At worst, he was maybe trying to spark more riots, knowing that knowing that the charge would not be upheld in a court. Judge Cahill throwing that out today may have saved whatever's left of the city of Minneapolis. Because if Officer Chauvin had been found guilty of all the other charges, but a jury comes forward later this, I think it's next week is when this trial begins. If a jury had come forward later this fall and it said, on the charge of third-degree murder, not guilty. Hope you know what the Second Amendment means, right? Yeah. By throwing that charge out now, we're never going to have that moment. And now we can have, an hopefully, an actual trial on the, the charges that really matter here. Was it justified choking out George Floyd for nine minutes with your knee to his neck? Period. End of sentence, right? Right. That's that's all that we need to know. And we need to have it focused like a laser on that one question. But this third degree murder charge, of course, wasn't going to permit us to do that by throwing it out now. I think Judge Cahill did the community of Minneapolis a huge favor. You guys have any thoughts? I mean, I just touched on five, four or five issues that would dominate our show most days. 
Any thoughts on any of those before we move on to Theology Thursday? I just have one more to add. Uh, so one of the big papers over a Danish paper, one of the big papers, I can't remember the name of it. Oh, yeah, the mask study. Yeah, the mask study. Now we know study, what happened to it. The mask study. Yeah. Uh, one of the big papers over there says that the originators and um, uh, sponsors and researchers of, this, of the Danish mask study that was supposedly done uh, by the end of August, they say that... Uh, three different journals, major journals, scientific journals, have rejected their mask study. Those journals' names are The Lancet, funded by Bill Gates. Uh, JAMA, probably funded by Bill Gates. That's the Journal of the American Medical Association, by the way. And the yeah. New England Journal of Medicine. Right now, maybe the three, the Lancet, the Lancet, by the way, is who got busted for putting out the phony baloney hydroxychloroquine study earlier yeah. this year, you'll recall. All right. But when you talk about JAMA and you talk about the New England Journal of Medicine, those are the two preeminent medical publications in the United States of America. So uh, therefore, two of the biggest it's, in the world. And... And when they say they won't publish the study, let's make sure our audience knows what that well, means. Well, see, I nobody knows what that means, <laughs> it right? Mean, it means put it up for peer review. Yeah. That's what it means. Meaning. Uh-oh! <laughs> Here's what it means. It doesn't mean they ask those associations, those publications, to validate their study. You know, we're coming up, it's a week ago, it's a week from tomorrow, is when a, a little... Um, um, a pissant, aggressive Augustinian monk, or monk went up to a door at the, at the seminary where he was teaching and nailed 95 theses to a door, right? And, in, and, and he starts off by saying, hey, I'm asking for a disputation. This is an academic setting. I'm an academic. We're all academics here. Let's all come together and, and argue over these 95 things. Not really knowing what he was at the time, what he was about to spark and touch off, right? But that's what he wanted was an ac- a yeah. pure review. Hey, hey, you know what? I just got back from Rome. I was on a mission for the church. I just got back. I'm studying the scriptures and I've got some issues with some things we're doing here that I can't find any scriptural basis for. And there's actually 95 of them. <laughs> and so I just, I want to have a conversation. I want my, I want, he's asking for a peer review. That's what Luther's asking for, right? Yeah. That is what the Danish mask study people are asking for. So when they say they want their study published, they're not saying they're asking the Journal of the, the Journal of the American Medical Association or the Lancet or the New England Journal of Medicine. They're not asking for their endorsement. They're saying, check my math. They're inviting their scrutiny. Yeah. It's the opposite. Yeah. It's, it's, it's one of the stayings we've used on our show a lot over the years. We're, we're not trying to win an argument. We're trying to start one. Where do I get that? That's... That was, that's, I got that from Martin Luther. He wasn't necessarily, well, he was trying to start an argument um, that he thought was long overdue. The Danish people are not trying to win an argument on masks. They're just trying to start one. They're like, hey, public, pull our pants down. Are we wrong? They won't even do that. They won't, they won't even take the challenge of meeting them in the arena. Why? You, you know why. You know why. For the same reason that Elijah said on Mount Carmel and said, you know what? Let's just hang out and wait. Wait for Baal to act. Maybe he's on the throne taking a dump. I got, I mean, I got nothing but time. We'll just sit back here and wait here. We'll just wait for Baal to do, uh, to do what you have invoked and asked him to do. I mean, after all, if he's real, I would imagine after all of your shenanigans, he will show up, right? 
that's what the the Danish mask study people have done. They have invited the scrutiny and they won't even take him up on a fight. Here's what I think actually happened. They probably did actually they probably actually did peer review this and thought and and figured out oh crap, their math checks out. That could be true too. Oh yeah. Yeah. That they know it that does. could be they true too. Does. There's a, listen, there's a lot of that going around, which brings up another story that we haven't got to. <laughs> Um, and a month ago, it was the <laughs> OMG Titanic shift issue. Now here we are. Amy Coney Barrett was just passed out. That, oh, you're right. Yeah. I, holy cow. <laughs> I know. 12 nothing. The other side doesn't even show up for the vote. We didn't even talk about it. And a month ago, we're like, oh. This is how much can change just in a day. This is an incredible day. I mean, it's an... Inc- and I don't get the strategy, by the way, of, hey... Um, we want, have you seen the polling on Amy Coney Barrett? It's very good. I think it's possible if Trump pulls this thing out, she won him the reelect. I mean, if he can pattern she, she himself might be the, tonight after She might her? be the first Supreme Court nominee. We always talk about, does a governor have a coattails on a ballot? Oh, oh yeah. does, a, does a president have coattails on a ballot or a senator in a statewide race? She might be the first Supreme Court nominee that has coattails. I mean, she just put the softer side of Sears' image on the Trump presidency in the last two weeks since that disastrous debate. Yes. Right? She's been the face of this presidency since that debate. And I don't know, is it quince? It, it certainly doesn't seem, I'm not saying she's the sole reason for it. Because I think the president also, since he got out of that hospital, has been pretty much on message. Yeah. Cash money. What he said the other night at the at the rally, I know I, I made a different point about it yesterday. But from a messaging standpoint, to look at the American people exasperated, like you're one of them, and say... We just want to get back to normal. We just want our lives back. That's it right there. Tonight. That's the message right there. Yes. That's it right there. That's the message that you're yeah. going to be the conduit yes. for those that are exasperated. Like, and you, Joe, can we you just won't get let our us. lives back? And Joe, Joe won't you let just us. won't let us. That's yep. sad. What, That's on. exactly right. So the president, since he got out of that hospital, has been, I will say it's been about two weeks since he got out, two or three weeks. Good. Yep. Has been, this been the least amount of, of what do you do? Which Trump? What you doing? Kvetching, we have probably done his entire presidency since he got out of that hospital. Yeah. Some of that also may be that we're in campaign mode, so consider that too, okay? And we're overdue for some... Did I say that out loud? Don't, don't speak it into existence, all right? There's a debate tonight. <laughs> but so he has been largely on message, okay? So he gets credit, some of the credit too. But there's no question, man, whatever bleeding he was going on with his candidacy after that first debate... She at least, and Pence, Pence, I think, stopped the bleeding, but he's got the momentum right now, and I think she's a big reason why. So then why the Democrats would decide, we don't want to be on the record supporting somebody that's more popular than all of us by 40 points. It's not a decision, Steve. They just do things. Yeah, I, I I don't get that strategy. I don't get it other than it's just an admission we we aren't moderating on anything. We don't have to move to the middle on anything, or we don't plan on it. And so we know it hurts us, our, our, hurts ourselves to show to you, this to you. So the best thing we can do then, I mean, poor Diane Feinstein tried to give the poor woman after he, she grilled her last year, right? She's the one who said the dogma lives loudly within you. Said to her last week, "Hey, this has been a very impressive 
uh, uh, you know, showing by you. I don't agree with you, but I'm impressed with your dignity. And for that, like Diane Feinstein, they're trying to like re- California yeah. Democrats try to like recall That's her for right that. There. And so that this is Schumer just saying, you know what? We know we can't control ourselves, so we're just not going to show up. It, well, it, because the hit will take opposing because, her because because none of us can bring themselves to support her on the merits, no matter what she says. So therefore, we just have to eject from the process. And you know why it happens. And you wrote the book about it, and it's the book we're about to talk about. It's actually a pretty darn good segue. They, it's, it's plank three of what we're about to talk. It's irreversible now, man. They can't, won't stop. So let, let's get to it, because this, this has been a day of like nefarious's greatest hits, yeah. the storylines that are out there today. As we continue on with Theology Thursday, looking back on my 2016 book, A Nefarious Plot. And last week we talked about the introduction. And now we get into the specifics. Now, now, um, now Nefarious has brought the receipts. Nefarious is now going to itemize for you. He's going to begin to now, he gave you the meta, right? And now he's going to begin to connect some dots for you. But the first dot he has to connect, so we had the introduction, he's got to answer the question, why you? Why, why are you a problem for us? Meaning you as a people, why you? So let's talk about it. Gentlemen, the floor is yours. Well, we we may need to turn, uh, there's so much good stuff here. We may need to turn the next half hour into a speed round of uh, what we had <laughs> planned, uh, but that's up to you. Well, this chapter is called The Plan. It has, it, so this is actually the A outline of the meta. Next week, we get into very specific things. There's three planks to this plan that Steve lays out first, and I want you to expand upon it. It has to be, practical and basically what you mean by this it's got to be one size fits all uh it, it can't be this giant rube goldberg machine thing um and regardless of belief system regardless of christian pagan you know it's got to be able to get everybody in their net and okay it all makes sense but then you say the way that you figured out how to do that and this is where it's a yo moment and you need to unpack this the way to do that is through the family that seems like a tall task, but it's obviously the most practical thing he can think of. And it passed, as you said, he had to present this plan to the father of lies himself. Why is the family the most practical way? Can I just interject as well? Sure. Perfect segue from talking about Amy Coney Barrett and what she represents into this conversation right here. Because yes. that's exactly yes. yeah. why the left hates her. Yes. That, that's exactly right. Because it's... She... The symbolism of her of, of her candidacy as a Supreme Court justice is affirmation of everything they're against. The idea that the things that we are trying to conserve are universal. They're not just for white patriarchal racists, um, bigoted, misogynistic homophobes, that that natural law, common grace are meant for all people made in the image of God, and therefore they're meant for us all, because we all are. Regardless of the language we speak, the color we are, the nationality we claim, the time in which we're born, the family in which we come from, that it's it's an innate compact we have with our Creator. It, it, it's inherent to carrying His image, to bearing His image. It, it's inherent to that. And she represents that. And 
And and the biggest the the, the what makes her even more of a threat along those lines is that she recognizes she represents that and therefore wants to embrace that she does. It's not just that Amy Coney Barrett is a vehicle for natural law, just ultimately the truth wins, right? You can't we can't hide from it. Mm-hmm. It's that she recognizes the truth wins and then set about set up set embarked on living her life accordingly dare i say it's incarnate yes like she she did these things yes. in in the new testament jesus says nope nope go get the donkey nope, nope follow the procedure nope nope follow the prophecy to the letter so that all righteousness will be fulfilled so that later on no one can ever go back and say hey you skipped this step no you're not real because you didn't do this and Christ is doing that in recognition of his lordship. And he wants his apostles to do that in recognition of his lordship as well. Amy Coney Barrett is doing those things in recognition of his lordship as well. That's why she's doing them. She didn't adopt children that don't look at her like her because she's a colonizer, but because she's a Christian. Meaning there's, a, there's an effect from her cause. She did these things in her life so that all righteousness would be fulfilled. She viewed that as the extension of her belief system, meaning she didn't just stumble upon it. Because I believe these things, I will then do that. And that's a more powerful symbol and a more lasting symbol than any of our institutions or structures. And it's also the most basic one. Most people's notions of God comes from who? Their family. Their family, but specifically their father or lack thereof. Yeah. If I can corrupt you at the family level, Nefarious says, that's the granular level. This is Nefarious's version of Tip O'Neill's axiom that all politics is local, Mm -hmm. right? If I can corrupt you at the family level, <clears throat> then there, there, there's nothing. See, your institutions were devised to protect you at the family level. But if you're corrupted at the family level, meaning that I can still, as my family, we can still live the Amy Coney Barrett way if we want because we've got First Amendment freedoms, Second Amendment that lets me protect, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But if I corrupt you at the family level and you reject those creeds and notions on your own or don't pass them on on your own, then... The institutions are null and void. I, I don't have to worry about losing them in an election, losing control of them uh, because of a new judicial appointment. You don't care. They're not relevant to you. They're, they're, they're museum pieces at best, or you view them as anathema at worst. If we can corrupt you on that level. And then what will happen if, if we corrupt you on that level, you will then nefarious says you will do the dirty work for us meaning that because we won't want to admit we're sinners and guilty we will then actively pursue and demand that these institutions that were created to defend Mm -hmm. us against our own nature now instead advocate for us to pursue the worst instead of the better angels of our nature the worst demons of our basic instincts instead that that we will do all the corrupting instead of taking the institutions and targeting them at the family. The family will go to the institutions and say things like, hey, my kid is gay now. Change the law. 
my unwed my my unwed daughter is pregnant. Wasn't one of the Supreme Court justices? Wasn't that one of his rationales? I believe in Roe versus Wade that his daughter was pregnant and he didn't want her saddled with a pregnancy in college. I think it was. Hey, my daughter's pregnant out of wedlock. Change 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 the. I want the institutions to change the law. Hey, um, my my daughter's baby daddy ran out on her. She can't pay her bills. I want I want the institutions to change the law. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. If we corrupt you at that level, you'll hell says you'll go to those institutions and corrupt them for us. This is why I knew. And that corruption yes. will be everlasting because you'll just want that corruption perpetuated and you'll just keep passing it on generation this after is, generation. This is why I knew, we've never compared notes quite this way, why I knew we were so in so much trouble because of uh, transgenderism. And now we are back at the beginning corrupting the most fundamental first thing that God gave go, us. Go Male debate. and female yes, he created go, go us to that, be fruitful and multiply. Go to that town hall with Biden last week. If... If someone stands up and says, uh, Mr. Vice President, I am a renowned medical expert from um, uh, the uh, University of Blank, and I really believe children struggle with their identities and should be encouraged to seek the identity that they believe they have and gives you all kinds of terms of academic uh, nonsense and gobbledygook, a lot of American kids are going to say, that boy is nuts, and why are we subsidizing him, right? But is that who stood up last week? No. Who stood up? Mom. I am the mother of an eight-year-old son struggling with, see what yeah. I'm talking about? Yes, this is Mom my point. stands up. And now suddenly a lot of people who, if it was one of these academics with a white paper to present on kids cutting their penises off to become girls, the country would have said, uh, prison, mm -hmm. maybe? That is if we don't deport him first, right? Or Viking funeral, yeah. even at worst. No, when mom stands up and says it, a lot of people are like, I don't know. Sounds weird to me and I wouldn't do it with my kid, but I mean, I got to believe a mom cares about her kid more and knows what's going on with it. See what I'm saying? Oh, yes. That's well, what nefarious is talking With you about. talking there, it comes into my head. It's even it's even worse because the roots of a family are ultimately, it's like subsidiarity, appropriate relationship. Mm -hmm. Well, you go beyond relation. We're defined fundamentally in terms of relationship because who is a relationship before us? God himself. This is an upside down version of relationship. It, it wants to go to the very heart of who God is, destroying relationship rightly understood. Yes, that, that's exactly right. Yeah. Secondly, after practical, it has to be achievable. Uh, to me, I read that as you it it needs to be on autopilot in man's hands. It can't constantly be uh, the devil, the demon coming in and you know whispering in the air, putting his thumb on the scale. Mm -hmm. Why why does it have to be totally in man's hands? Because Jesus Jesus doesn't warn us about wolves, right? I mean, if you're walking down an alley and you see a dog frothing at the mouth or a wolf, that you know, growling, all right, your fight or flight mechanism will kick in on its own, right? So the devil jumps out in a red unitard or the devil takes, there's, it takes a, a, a piece of innocence, like in the film The Exorcist. The young girl Reagan and corrupts and Pazuzu, uh, you know, Captain Howdy, corrupts her. And that, and it's so stark. And, and when, when audiences coming out of the cynical, uh, 
counterculture of the 60s. And, and, and now they see these priests in liturgical garb doing battle head on with a demon that is causing this precious, beautiful young girl just on the brink of womanhood to say the kinds of things that not even hardened prostitutes and brothels say and to masturbate with crucifixes. and st- We recoil at that. We see the evil of that. We know the corruption of that level of innocence is unnatural. It has to be stopped. It's bad. And so when it's shown to us, what ends up happening to the ranks of the Catholic Church after that movie comes out? They, they, they swell. It improves, yes. People see evil objectively. They recoil from it because even though we're not naturally good, we're still made in the image of the only one who is good. And so when we're confronted with that in its unobjective, unfiltered form, we're like, show me who can stop that. I don't want, I should never have seen that. I don't want to see that ever again. I don't want to believe that exists in the world. Show me the institutions, the, the philosophies, the, the, the figureheads that know what to do about such things, right? Yes. But what if it's, what if it's in a far more subtle package? What if it's in wolf in sheep's clothing? What if it's a pope talking about civil unions? What if it? What I'm if, just spitballing. Yeah. What if it's your? What if it's your nine-year-old, who we used to call a tomboy in every other era of human existence, and now says because of the way they got worked over in school, I'm not a tomboy. I'm actually a boy. And I, you know, I should probably be taking testosterone hormone treatments so that I don't develop breasts. You know, on the age of puberty. And it's your kid, the fruit of your loins that you nursed, that you cuddled with, looking at you. What do you say then? That answer your question? It does. We'll continue this when we come back. More in a moment. Hey, if you are going into the real estate market during these, ready, unprecedented times, Bing. Wanna, thank you, uh, make sure you go in with a real estate agent that you can trust. Now, first of all, you need to go in with a real estate agent you can trust at any time, but particularly right now with so many market uncertainties. Now, where would you find said agent? I mean, well, the name here kind of says it all, realestateagentsitrust.com. Why? Because they don't put, you can't trust us on their website, although maybe they do nowadays. I mean, I'm reading through these uh, Hunter Biden, Tony Tony, uh, Bobolowski, Shycom emails, and they're just like laying out, hey, y'all getting paid this much from the Shycoms. I don't know, maybe agents do nowadays just say, hey guys, I'm not very good at this. Hire me anyway. I don't know. (laughs) But I I gotta, I'm thinking maybe they're a little smarter than Hunter Biden and his crack habit. All right, so... If you want to find an agent that you can trust, realestateagentsitrust.com, it's where agents all over the country are listed because they've been vetted thoroughly for a proven track record of success. So we can probably help you almost anywhere you live around the country. I'm sure there's some places you can move that we can't, but pretty much everywhere around the country, you can find a real estate agent you can trust on this website, realestateagentsitrust.com. All right, we are going to continue on with Theology Thursday. Aaron, I'm not sure we're going to get to three non-political questions. My bad. Oh, that's okay. Questions were great this week. I mean, you're missing out. Well, you can use them again next week, maybe. Yeah. All right. So, Todd, continue on as we continue here with Theology Thursday, because a lot of this plan and what you're what we're talking about, you're, you're watching it from my book, A Nefarious Plot. A lot of these are things that are playing out in real time in America right now. Yes. Well, number three. And this is where it's the darkest. Yep. Makes sense. It's irreversible. The plan. 
so much so that the as Steve said, the book is being written. We're telling you, and you actually taunt them. You say, I, "We dare you to call my bluff," and here's why: the situation, it, the the uh, the nefarious says, "It's a we hate you so much because it's appalling to see him waste himself on you." And he says, "Because we know, we know." How glorious God is. We can't lie about it. We, the power, the authority, all of it. We just resent this relationship between him and you so much. But they realized that where they can't resist that part, that knowledge, they realized, even though the pride of place humanity can, they realized that mankind could. That's how it would be irresistible, which is why they dare them to call your buff. He actually defends God. In your book, against mankind playing the victim card. See, we couldn't, we're just, we're weak and mild. We, we, it's not our fault. This is the way we were made. And he says, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. He's not going to get you laid with that. It's not that you can't. It's that you won't. You won't. You won't. You won't want to. Right. Yeah. That's, you, you alluded to that last week about getting to the point about the, the why behind all this, the hatred for you. But this this goes to the core of it. But it was also how they fi- the hatred, finally, they figured out the Achilles heel. I mean, the, 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 the angels can't get, even the fallen angels, they cannot get away. It's impossible for them to get away from the truth of who God is. But they realized, wow, mankind can. They can forget it all together and resent it. What Nefarious is doing is, is is a satanic homily on Romans 1 here. Um, he's going to get to the beginning of Romans 1 much later in the book. But at this point, he goes to the end of it. These are people who delight in creating new ways to do evil and encouraging others to do the same, right? Mm-hmm. And And he is saying that, and it goes back to what we talked about previously, one of the ways that hell unlocked the secret of what to do against us is when they had to swallow their own considerable pride, nefarious says that, that, you know, we've talked before about the Republican party's big weakness is that it, it wants the voters and customers it wants to have rather than the ones that actually does. Right. Mm-hmm. And then one of the big weaknesses of the Democrats is that they won't take yes for an answer. Like they have to win in a certain way or it doesn't count. Like if it, if it doesn't validate all their, all of their ideological premises, then, then, you know, we, we won't take yes for an answer, right? Mm-hmm. Hell was doing this. That, that hell wanted, Nefarious says that hell wanted to conjure up some scheme, some, some plan, plot, saying, creed, real, fake religion, you know, that, that, that we would then adopt and that they could then, right. we did that, okay? But when they realized that you actually want to pull a Fleetwood Mac and go your own way too. You, you want to do this. That really, your, your deepest desire, that you didn't say yes to my, you didn't say yes to my father in the garden because he just appeared as an attractive, first of all, he appeared as a serpent, a snake, number one. He didn't show up in, in you know, vibrant, trappings uh, you didn't show up in, in, as a beautiful angel of light and then in sonnet form sing to you mm-hmm. <sighs> right 
ye be like God. And it was so harmonious and so attractive that you thought to yourself, wow, I've never thought of that. No, he shows up as one of the most despised creatures in all of creation. Speaking with forked tongue and you guys were all like, let's do this. Hell yeah. Yeah, that's a great idea. I like it. I'm in. And that's when they figured out, well, why are we spending so much time trying to trick you? We'll just give you what you want. That you're the best asset we have. And instead of trying to win this on our own intellect or ingenuity, we'll just feed your egos because they compete with our own. And you'll do this for us. And you'll go further than yes. we would have ever envisioned yeah. on your own. That's what's amazing. With just a little nudge in the right direction. Once they feed... Because throughout the book, you, well, the answer to, did God really say? Nefarious throughout the book is saying, yeah, yes. God really did say it. Yes. See, but he, they don't have the capacity to ignore it. Mankind does. Man, he the, can, that's why Nefarious doesn't have any qualms about appearing to defend the nature or an integrity right. of God. Because he knows that him defending God in a way that says, God is not at fault for your problems will cause us to actually dig our heels in all the more because if God is not at fault for our problems, then who would we have to blame? Right? Mm -hmm. Ourselves. Do we want to no. do that? No. So by nefarious repeating this truth that God is not your problem, God didn't do this to you, it doesn't cause us to look in a mirror and say, go all Jimmy Swagger, I have sinned against you. It doesn't do that. It causes us to say, what, so, so it's my fault that this happened to me? It's my fault that I've got four different kids by three different baby daddies? That's my fault? It's, it's, it's my fault that I got caught cheating on my taxes? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That, it'll cause us to do that. So that, that's why, they, and you'll see this, by the way, mild spoiler warning. You will see Satan use this tactic on our female character, Ray, in a nefarious carol. Is that... At times, it will look, Satan will look as if he is defending the character and nature of God to Ray. But by doing so, it doesn't make Ray reconsider the divine, the divine position of the argument. It makes her dig in the e mm -hmm. heels of her right. ego all the more. It's like when your own parents say to you, it's not, hey, it's not my fault, like this morning, okay? Noah got up late for school, even though I got him up on time. Fell back asleep, running late, forgot to wear chapel clothes. I get an email. Hey, that's a strike warning for not wearing cl chapel clothes. When he gets home today, I'm going to tell him, hey, that's not my fault. Are you three? Do I dress you in the morning? Is it my fault that you forgot to wear chapel clothes? I'm going to say that to him, right? What are the odds that he's going to either be angry with me back or he's going to look at me and say, you're right, dad. I should have worn my chapel clothes. What do you think the odds are? Because he's human if I were laying mm -hmm. odds, I'd be laying him much more on the side of he's going to resent the fact that I pointed that out to him more so than he's going to own his own poop and say, you're right, man. You're right, Pop. I should have put my damn chapel clothes on, right? Yeah. Because that's who we are. When they realized that we were just fine being corrupted on our own rather than coming up with the external corruption, but instead exploiting the corruption within, that is when the paradigm shifted down below. Well, last question. This is a value added, but after a I, this keeps coming up in my mind. And you talk in the chapter about how much they hate the book, the book, 
the book meaning the scriptures. Yes, yeah, the Bible. Yeah. Well, from uh, and from a Protestant uh, uh, perspective, and I know that's a very very wide net. But uh, we have various perspectives over here. It's going to be helpful. At, what, what's your elevator speech quick on the nature of angels versus humans? Because that's fundamental to this hatred, this antagonism, the whole thing. Yes. yes. What do you if you just if you just have a biblical notion and don't have what I bring to it in terms of big T tradition and the mm-hmm. Catholic Church? What must you know about that relationship? Angels versus humans that they are. Uh, they were the first born of creation in that they were created to be God's messengers, heralds, and to, and to, and to be active agents in carrying out his plan. That is their, that is their mission and reason for why they were created. Why do you think there's the obvious Achilles heel then about hating? I mean, I've stated as much, Mm -hmm. but then that we're back in this we might say well All right, so mankind say, like, what the heck which, why is your so, greatest so creation we're gonna, we're gonna I'm gonna warn you to answer this question I have to spoil some of the ending of the book okay oh well don't do that, that I but, didn't but, intentionally take you but to that this place is, this is actually a good day to maybe do that so well, I'm gonna warn you if you haven't gotten to the end of the book yet because I've heard from several of you that are reading it for the first time right now right I'm gonna give you a count of three to, to turn this off for the rest of the show and we'll see you tomorrow alright one Two, three. You've been warned. The first murder in the world was who? It's the story of Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel. Talking about yeah. Cain kills Abel. Cain kills Abel. Why does Cain kill Abel? Cain is the older brother, right? Abel is the younger brother, correct? Yes. All right. Abel. Abel offers God, gives God an offering based on faithfulness, on, on obedience on what he believes honors God in a way that w- that God would be would want to be honored meaning he is starting from the premise of what what of my own will volition would honor the most high cain begins from a premise of honoring God with what he is willing to give and when and and he is envious jealous and it, and and it, it, it's a story that R.C. Sproul Sr. once told on his podcast. The first one of the first women he ever had at a seminary, and of course they don't teach in his in his denomination women in the pulpit. But she came because she wanted to find a husband and thought, "What a better is there a better place to find a husband than at a seminary, right?" And so it turns out she's one of the best students in the class. And he's his class is not surprisingly very difficult. So he has to grade on a curve. Well, the problem is she's scoring so much higher than everybody else. So what does that do to the bottom of the curve, right? Yes. Now, did the male students in her class say, wow, not only is she hot, but dude, she, she, she knows the word. And I've, I mean, I can't think of, she's got to be pretty high on the list to be the wife of a pastor because that's why we're all here as dudes, right? We're going to go to the ministry. She'd be a pretty good life mate, right? Let's go make some babies with her. You think that's what the guys did? No. No, they shunned her. So the next exam, Sproul tells the story of how she failed the test, and he called her into his office and said, I know you know this material. So what's going on here? She begins to cry and break down. And she says, hey, I came here to meet a husband, and I started scoring high on all these these tests, and now none of these guys, none of them will even talk to me, let alone ask me out. I'm like, you know, I must be wearing a burqa. You know, I'm, you know I'm, it's the sign of the cross when they see me. They resent me for what I have done. Cain did not look at Abel's faithfulness along those same lines. Cain doesn't look at Abel's faithfulness and say, that's why he's got the favor of God. I should emulate that. No, Cain looks at Abel's faithfulness and says, I got to take that guy out. 
the, what, what Cain and Abel were modeling is what, what the fallen angels think of mankind. We are the Abel in the story. They are the Cain. We were here first. We did everything you've ever asked of us. We didn't get dominion. We didn't get a creation. We didn't get free will, procreation. That's why one of the first things you see in Genesis, one of the first examples you see of satanic influence or temptation in Genesis is what? When they start mating with the women, okay? You guys didn't let us do this. You didn't let us create and perpetuate ourselves. All we got was perpetual paradise. What a terrible offer and deal this is, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so the murder of Cain and Abel is the spirit of and the emulation and the manifestation of how hell views humanity. We are the Abel in the story. They are the Cain. And what hell has been trying to do since the third chapter of Genesis is to murder us accordingly. That's, that's the goal, to murder us. And if they can't, to get us to create so much carnage on this earth that God will just do it for them by pulling the plug. That's the mission. And that answers the question you keep, you've, you've been asking me the entire time. And now after all that, you probably have to try to sell something, don't you? That's <laughs> I, a rough sell. I do. And a transition. <laughs> don't murder your dog. <laughs> all right? Because you might be right now with that store-bought food that's been stripped oh. of all the vitamins, nutrients, and minerals your dog needs, slowly, daily murdering your pet. Wow. All right? Was that he's, a good segue or not? a pro. Okay. Hey, I'm not the best color man in the business for nothing, right, Bob? <laughs> so... When, 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 hey, when we go to the store, a lot of the store-bought food that we buy is also sterilized. That's why we buy so many supplements today. We need to do the same thing for our pets because same thing happens with them. It's on there for a long shelf life, and so it's dead as a doornail. Vitamins, minerals, nutrients, pre-probiotics, amino acids, omega oils, the things your pet needs, likely not in that food, and that's where Rough Greens comes in. It's a premium dog food supplement that you sprinkle and mix in with the food your dog loves. It tastes great, so they're going to love it even more, and it's got all the good stuff that's probably missing from their diet right now. So if you want to see, if you don't see a difference in your dog in two weeks or less, take the Rough Greens 14-day Jumpstart Challenge today for just $14.95. That's all it costs, less than 15 bucks to see for a couple of weeks if you don't see a difference in your pet. Uh, and you can try it right now at roughgreens.com slash blaze. That's R-U-F-F, that's how they spell it, for roughgreens.com slash blaze. All right, gentlemen, any final thoughts? we got about uh, 40 seconds. It is, this is going to show up on Right Wing Watch. You ready for this? <laughs> Look on your face. No, uh, it's interesting, though. It's interesting, though, what Todd brought up regarding, and uh, continues to bring up, about the lie of transgenderism. Transgenderism, gender dysphoria, taken to its logical, logical ends, and its most tragic ends, ends up in irreversible damage. And it's that final part here about in this chapter that we studied, the irreversible damage. The big lie always results in irreversible damage. Thank goodness we have a savior. John 3, 17. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.